Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Older and Bolder podcast. This is episode 10 of season two. I am just thrilled that you're here. And today I wanted to talk with you about something I've been noticing for myself still in life and for quite a few people I know who are in the years of the 40s and older. And it's something that it keeps us from being our our bolder self, our more authentic self, if you will. And it's stopping ourselves before we take action. So here's what I want to just say before I really get into the main part of this episode Because taking action when you're worried or scared can really feel daunting and horrible. And this past year, I become very aware of how traumas in our life can affect us in doing even small things that we want to do because of our nervous system being in a pattern or having held trauma. I am no expert. I am no therapist. So here's what I want to say. There are a lot of reasons why you might be stopping yourself, and that can include PTSD and CPTSD. If those terms are not familiar to you, I will, in the show notes, make a very brief definition. And I encourage you, if if you're thinking that might be something that's affecting you, There's quite a bit of excellent information to start researching on the internet, but I would encourage you if this is something you suspect for yourself, that you seek a qualified mental health professional for evaluation and care. I want to make sure that you're getting the best information if needed, the best treatment possible. And this podcast does not cover that, and I will not even claim to know enough about it to even touch that. So I'm going to go forward. You're welcome to listen, even if you think there's a trauma that's stopping you, but I would encourage you to take those other steps I just mentioned. So here we go. So in my experience, I've had clients, friends, colleagues, and myself, I've even heard, say a very familiar phrase. This is it. Ready? I really want to do blank, fill in the blank, but I just can't do it. Or there's another one. Oh, I I think I really want to, but I'm really frightened or I'm scared. I really want to, but it seems really hard. I want to, I'm going to do it badly, or I'm not going to do it right. Any of those phrases can stop a person cold from taking any action steps, even the smallest ones. And this doesn't just apply to one type of person. There is a diversity of people I've heard speak these these phrases. Men, women, non-binary, trans, professionals, 
uh, if you will, labor, blue collar workers, students, it is not unique to any one group of people. So I've noticed and experienced three ways, I'm sure there are more, but these seem to be the three ways people stop themselves from taking an action. Now, as I say this, these three ways are not entirely negative. They, there is a flip side to each of these, and I'm going to talk a little more about that. So here are the three ways I see people stop themselves. One, comparison or checking in. Two, what's often referred to as perfectionism, which is an aspect of responsibility. And three, overthinking is how it's often termed, but I also call it super thinking. So let's let's talk about these. And I want to talk about both the the part that's that's what we think of as good, the, the positive, the supportive aspect, and then the part that can be unhelpful, the negative aspect. All right. So let's talk about comparison first. You may have heard a quote that says, comparison is the thief of joy. And that can be true. And I will say, like I said, I was going to start with what can be the positive aspect, the supportive aspect. Comparison is in a slightly different form, if you will. If we think about it as checking in, as a looking at someone else's achievement or someone else's project or product, creativity is not in itself bad. We naturally as humans want to do a compare. It's a way of ordering items in our world, of looking at what is working well, what doesn't work, what is, you know, what quality makes something function better. And I could go on and on. I think you might get the idea here. So there is, in effect, a a quality aspect of comparison when we're looking at, oh, here's where I start. When we think of beginning something, the comparison of beginning and doing something new to us. So I'm going to use macrame as an example. Macrame is a craft that uses hemp rope cords and so on, and you're creating knots with the cords. And when you are starting a new craft, whether it is macrame, whether it is woodwork, maybe you are building things, maybe you're painting, etc., cooking, there's always a beginning aspect of it that the need for comparison is to see how we are coming along with a technique, how we're progressing with the aspect, the quality of producing what we want, the desired result. Comparison, when it's taken to a more negative state, is when we compare something that we are doing with something where someone may have had other experiences, has a different viewpoint, has more time, has just maybe even a natural ability toward that execution or creation of of what you want to be also doing. I can think of athletes. Sometimes there's a comparison in athletics and someone as an athlete may have a more natural ability 
in their body type, in their strength, in their flexibility than another person who's starting out and wants to do that same sport, but doesn't have some of those natural qualities. So when we take when we take comparison that way, and if that person, let's say they were wanting to play tennis and they're looking at a world-class athlete who has a lot of time and talent and, and, and ability and practice, and you're starting out, you're not going to be in that place of that world-class athlete when you're just starting. That's pretty obvious. However, so often I have seen, and in my personal experience too, I have compared what I am doing to someone who's been doing it for more hours, for more time, and perhaps with just a more natural sense of that uh, task. So that is where comparison works against you. And if you are comparing yourself to another's work or another person even, and that stops you because you are thinking, I will never be like that. I can't do that. That my product doesn't look like that. That is stopping you. Go back to the first part where you're just like, oh, that's what's possible. Or that is, here's where I'm starting. Oh, I'm working toward my backhand looking like Serena Williams's backhand. I'm not a tennis player, so don't take my word about Serena Williams's backhand, but I'm sure it's amazing. Uh, so you can see that you know comparing your your game if you're a beginner of tennis to a Serena, Serena Williams game is not going to be helpful. We can admire, we can uh, aspire, but if you're going to stop because you will, you think you will never be that, that is not a valuable use of comparison. Renee, Brene Brown, not Renee, Brene Brown um, has offered that a a way to overcome the negative aspect of comparison is creativity. So becoming more creative in how you are progressing on something, how you want to try some new version, just being open to your style, your version is one way to take a step forward and move around that use of comparison as a, as a blocking option. Okay, which brings me to the second point, perfectionism. Perfectionism is often adjacent, right, adjacent to comparison because we think ours doesn't look like theirs. We have this idea that our new thing, our one year in thing, two years in piece should look like somebody who's been doing it for perhaps decades. Perfectionism is often linked to a a natural strength of responsibility. We feel like we are responsible to make sure that everything is covered, that we figured out all the possible errors, that it's amazing. And yes, responsibility is valuable and helpful when we're trying to cover as many of the aspects of a project, an event, a undertaking, a task as possible. But with perfectionism, this idea that something will be perfect, we find ourselves 
possibly drowning in the shoulds. It should be this. It should be that. It should look like this. Someone told me it should have this piece. It, it can be this dampener of that creativity that we were just talking about cultivating. There are really so many ways to approach the start of a project. There are so many different ways to have your your project, your task look. To have this new thing you want to take, a career. There's so many ways to have that be more of who you built around who you are. Be mindful of wanting something to turn out perfectly. There's no such thing. If there was a perfect, then one perfect way to do something, everybody would aspire to do that. And that is not the case in this world. We have so many opportunities and so many paths to doing something in a personal and expressive and enjoyable way and responsible. I can't forget that because there are certain things we will want covered in a project. There are multiple, a multitude of ways to accomplish that. It just may be that you have to find a little, take a little time to see what works for you. All right. And then the third one here I want to talk about is super thinking. Yes, I call this super thinking and not overthinking. Overthinking is an aspect of using the ability to think very thoroughly about something in a way that is holding you back. It keeps a person in, if you will, the theoretical, the possibilities, but you never, if you never step out of just the thinking and start to take a step at a time or take a step, check it out, evaluate it, take another step, see what happens then, just being aware of how these actions, these one-at-a-time actions might need new thinking about it. You'll never know what is possible. I find super thinking shows up a lot, especially in that sentence that says, I just can't do it. I I end up wanting to gently poke a hole in that sentence, like somebody just pricked a bubble and just say, why do you think that? Why do you think you can't do it? And what I found is in the place where that's super thinking because overthinking, a person has taken one idea and run down one track without just even being at a place where there could be multiple tracks and taking a step forward toward one just takes you slightly down that track. And taking another step, you get that chance to see, is this where I want to go? Is this, is this the next step that's working? It doesn't offer you in the overthinking, we just, we just imagine without really understanding because of the action we've tried, that we've taken, what it can really look like, what can really show up. Because truthfully, once you've started taking some steps, in majority of the cases, you can make a left turn, you can make a right turn, you can turn around, you can say, you can stop at a place and go, oh, this path is sort of a dead end for what I want to do. I'm going to turn around, I'm going to go back a little bit, and I'm going to take 
this other path that seems to have, it looks like it has some more options for me. But we, when we overthink it, we've decided before we even put into play one single action. This is where I was super thinking. I like to offer the the consideration and I is his experimentation. It's just trying something and seeing how did that work? Even one little step, two little steps. How did it work when I talked to this person about this project? What did I what did I learn? What did I see? What happened when I wrote this letter? What was the response? Without deciding that it would never work, someone would respond a certain way. I have been guilty of this. I will tell you a really, really quick story. I remember the time that I needed to have a conversation with a colleague, and I was so sure that that person would not take it well, that they would be angry, that they would be upset, they wouldn't want to hear me. It would be a very emotional experience. And I I talked with my coach. I worked it out. I decided that even if that person was angry, I really needed to have the conversation. What happened was 180 degrees of what I thought it would be. I had the conversation. The person was kind. They were understanding. They were even supportive. So there is no predicting, especially when it comes to people, exactly how someone is going to show up or respond. Some of these things are challenging in life, but we really won't know what that possibility is until we give it a try. So I've given you the three main ways I see people stop themselves by utilizing comparison against yourself, by using, uh, over, using responsibility against yourself in the form of perfectionism, and by using a quality, a, a, a ability of super thinking against yourself in overthinking. So what helps? Here are some things that I, some questions that I have used for myself, and I will write these in the show notes so you may have them to refer back to. First of all, I will, I will often ask myself, well, why do I want to do this project, task, so forth. Sometimes it's not because I want it. Sometimes it is part of a job. Sometimes like I want to do this because this is my job and I like to keep my job. Okay, that's fine. Second, I might, if that one seems to not be helpful, I'll, I may ask myself if it's something that I really want to do, but I'm just fearful if I'm using again that uh, super thinking about it or the idea of like, I have to do it perfectly. I may ask myself, what do I love about it? What do you love about it? What do you love about doing that thing? And that it's really okay if it doesn't look perfect. Maybe you want to go out and take some dance classes and you love dancing, but you're worried that it won't look perfect and you're going to look sort of foolish. But what do you love about it? I will tell you that most of the time, I know you know this, most people are not thinking about you. They're going to be thinking about themselves. So another one I will remind myself, another sentence I'll remind myself, it's not a question, is that if I'm not taking action because someone said I should do it some way and I would like to do it another way, there's 
you could try it. You can try it out. See if it works. I will remind myself that there's not one right way for everyone. If that was the case, we would not have so many different restaurants in the world. (laughs) There is a right way for you. I know that may seem a little strange, but if there was one right way to eat lunch or to have food prepared, we would not have the hundreds of variations of cuisine available to us. Thank goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I also asked myself, I, I think about we've in the most recent years, we've had in in industries what we call disruptors, uh, companies that come in and shake up the status quo. You can think about, uh, you know, transportation like with Uber. You can think about commercial workspaces with, you know, companies that had broke, broke, the, broke, the, broke through with like WeWork, how they, how they worked that out. So... I sometimes have to remind myself, I have to be a little bit of the disruptor of my own thinking, the disruptor of my own mind. I have to allow myself to consider a different way and looking at it a different way, being willing to try something a slightly different way so that I don't just, I don't stop myself. I get more curious. That's my basic, one of my basic abilities, values. And what I encourage people is like, what if we just get more curious and we try it. Like a child who wants to dress themselves in all the mismatched patterns. Or someone in a scientific lab who wants to see what happens if we change just this one chemical to this formula, what will happen? Curiosity can be your friend. And when we take one step at a time as we're exploring that, and allowing ourselves to learn and grow, you're less likely to slap yourself. You're more likely to find out how you can learn and apply. And so the final piece of this I want to offer to you is you may decide, well, there's a number of different actions I could take. I would encourage you to write down those actions as, as could, as a possibility list. And then look at them and look at what's the next smallest step to take, to explore, to be willing. If you, I'm going to go back to the dance class. If you want to take dance lessons, what's the next smallest step to exploring taking a dance class? Maybe you've seen a video and you want to connect with a dance studio or teacher who you've been following or you've seen. What's that next step you could take? I'm not going to tell you. Just notice what your brain comes up with and try that. As always, I would love to hear what you've you've heard in this that you can take away from (laughs) what you've heard in this that you can apply to yourself. I encourage you to make some notes for yourself, to write something down. And if you want to reach out and let me know what you decided to do as a next step, and maybe even which of these three, sometimes we tend toward one of these three more than the others, which of these three crops up for you a lot, shows up for you. Comparison, perfectionism, super thinking. Let me know. I'll I'll have my email in the show notes as well. And I'd love to hear from you. Now, Go out there and have a bolder day. Talk to you next time.
Thanks for listening. If you heard something helpful in today's podcast, please leave a five-star rating and tell me and other listeners about it in a review. If you leave a five-star review, I'll give you a shout out in a future episode. Thanks again and have a bolder day.